Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Filmmakers Emily McKenzie and Noah Collier's divinely off-kilter documentary explores the world of psychedelic carpets that line our hotel hallways, casinos, and convention centers. They can all be traced to one town, Dalton, Georgia, the carpet capital of the world. This is truly one of those documentary films that could only happen in America. The characters are bigger than life, the mythology, the American dream and the hope that it can be realized by all of these different characters. It's very, very well done. Carpet Cowboys, we're joined today by the co-directors, Emily McKenzie and Noah Collier. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Hello, thanks Hi. for having us. Thank you for being here. As I said in the introduction, we're introduced into this world where these very colorful entrepreneurs, people who believe in the American dream, people who are in search of something and this is a film that easily could have held them up to ridicule. But to your credit, you allowed them to be themselves. And I think the documentary, and we're all richer for that. Emily, I'll start with you. How did you come upon the world of Carpet Cowboys? I think actually that's more a question for Noah. He and okay. I have been talking about working on something together, and he found Dalton, or discovered this town in his research and said, oh my goodness. So I don't know, maybe Noah, I feel like that is a question for <laughs> yeah, you. Go ahead. Yeah, Noah. <laughs> well, I think Emily and I have worked together a lot in the past on different projects and we do a lot of traveling because we do documentary work. You know, we stay in hotels. And so we spend a lot of time hanging out in like hotel lobbies. And uh, the carpeting is always something that is like kind of looked down upon and made fun of, but it is like, they are these kind of psychedelic and incredible patterns. And in, in living in hotels for years and years, kind of began wondering who the kind of like brain behind this was, <laughs> you know, like who created this and and how did this come to fruition? Because it's like, these aren't just like beige carpets. They're like incredible and wild. I think we kind of set out to figure out like who was behind this. And I had this kind of vision of like a, some kind of like drug culture, uh, you know, <laughs> like existing in rural Georgia and kind of trying to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, I think it was like pretty sober, but maybe like inebriated in a different way once we got there. It is fascinating. Yeah, it could have been some deadheads, right? I mean, if you were, if you're yeah. going to that motif, <laughs> right, it could easily have been a budget, but it isn't. And that's what makes this such an interesting story. The people that you come across in this, in this journey that you embarked upon to find out more about Dalton. Emily, let's start with you in terms of describing what the importance of Dalton, Georgia is in this story. Dalton is definitely one of the two main characters, Roderick being the other one, but then it's also this like rich background in which everybody's story sort of lives inside of. I think the temptation with a place like Dalton is to kind of report on the town because the industry is so incredible. But instead of taking it as a film that is just about the carpet industry, we were really interested in these like more tiny micro stories inside of the bigger one. Yeah. And then how do all of those echo back to kind of explain the town? Like the history of Dalton's industry is amazing. It started as a cottage industry, making chenille bedspreads with patterns of peacocks and other, you know, really elaborate, colorful things. And through that, like people literally creating giant sewing looms in chicken coops 
it turned into the carpet industry because it kind of grew up so organically and so much a cottage industry out of the bedspreads. It's just emergence from this one town, this incredible industry. It's sort of fascinating to me and it felt better to describe a place kind of bottom up in, sort, in terms of these smaller characters and then let them verbal up and articulate the environment as opposed to kind of top down like this industry, this industry, this specific uh, mill, et cetera. Yeah. The people that we get to meet through that part of the film are not what you would pick out as the captains of industry if you saw right. them on the street. They're, <laughs> right. They are people of, of Dalton. And by the way, I do like a few statistics now and then. It is the, is it safe to say the largest center of carpet making on the planet? Is is that, do I have that right? Yeah. I, I, I think so, Yeah. Yeah, the statistics are sort of disputed. Uh, even within the town, I think everyone we talked to was giving us wildly different numbers. Wikipedia at this moment is saying 90% of carpets worldwide, which I find to be actually potentially impossible. Um, <laughs> but I think that like the, the number that I've seen the most is 85% within the US and 45% worldwide, which yeah. is like enormous. I mean, to think that like almost half the carpet in the world is made in this small town in Georgia is kind of incredible. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really, oh, go ahead. The go town ahead. has, I think the town population is 30, 35,000 people. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not a big place. Yeah. So thinking about that, it's like incredible. So is it mm-hmm. fair to say that carpet is king in uh, in Dalton in terms of their other industries? Or is it is it pretty much a, a, a carpet town? I think it has been a carpet town for a very long time. I think the period Emily was describing that sort of the birth of the carpet industry for a while, it was referred to as the bedspread capital of the world. So it is kind of evolving at all moments. And I actually just read yesterday that through like a Biden infrastructure plan, they're opening a lot of uh, solar manufacturing in Dalton. So I think things are changing. But at the moment, it's still like carpet centric. And they do say nostalgically the carpet capital, but really, like we get corrected a lot. It's the floor covering capital of the world now. Okay. <laughs> they do They do a lot of hard surfaces, which is really the future of flooring, if you ask anyone in Dalton. <laughs> well, and there's a, uh, there is a person in the film that says, who worked in the industry for many years, is, I don't like carpet. <laughs> it's kind of a yeah. funny. There are so many interesting people in it. Yeah, and I, I think, by the way, that Biden thing that you're talking about, I could believe there's so much warehouse space that has gone dormant for a long time. I could imagine that being, you know, kind of of interest to turn, to repurpose it into something more. I think the infrastructure is there, you know, and that's like why it remains there. I think like even as like Chinese companies get into it, they're moving their factories to Dalton because that infrastructure already exists as opposed to trying to build it out themselves. I, I, I want to be absolutely fair to the people that are in the film. And so what I'm about to say is not a representation, but I think for people watching the movie, there is a little bit of an element of best in show in yeah. in the way that we get to know the people. There is that element of the, we quietly let them explain their lives to the camera, to us, and we get to know them. And that sort of evolves out from there. It rolls out from there. Is that, am I being fair? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We love that. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, we do it in the same way that we love the characters in best in show, at least I do. We get to know them, who they are as they are. Right. Yeah, I think both of us sort of like love the idiosyncrasies of any person. And so like even when we're socializing out in the world as friends, it's sort of like we gravitate towards these more unique personality traits because you kind of really get a sense of like who someone is, what their worldview is. And so 
with this film, it was like a beautiful excuse to climb inside of these funny spaces. Be like, tell me more about that. And people, because you've got a camera, you know, we'll show you their collection of carved rock faces and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like give them the space to say who they are and do it with love. Like we're deeply curious and we really, really like the people we're filming. And that comes across in the film. I want to get to Roderick James, who is the, the, the kind of the... The, the person that a lot of these stories revolve around, or at least it, it's a jumping off point to get to getting to know Roderick James, a, a Scottish expatriate freelance textile designer living as a modern day cowboy. I think that's a, that's a fair way to, to put it, but there's also some other people that I, I want to touch on that. Um, I feel like we get to know at the beginning of the film, the people who are in the industry, Lloyd and Doug Caldwell, who are, mm -hmm. who've been in the business for a long time. And I believe it's, I believe, I'm not sure if it's Doug who pulls out the plaid sample, the plaid carpet sample, and he's wearing plaid. To, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like a wonderful father and son that were selling carpet for 50 years as a family <laughs> business, like real, like little guys, you know, uh, but really like moving weight, you know, like doing well. <laughs> and um, yeah, they were like sort of incredible in that they were, they're just so playful, you know, like with this incredibly dry subject, like they like throughout from the beginning, were kind of so excited to be entertainers in this. I think like that's sort of what we were looking for in town was like people who were open to being playful and like in talking about it being like best in show. It's like, I think a lot of these people were very aware of their persona in it. And so like Lloyd, for instance, had a background as a professional clown. <laughs> and so he was like a performer in, in his history and, and was like immediately open to this. And when we screened the film for his family, uh, they told us that usually he had like a little a glass of whiskey as well. It would be like a cigarette and a glass of whiskey was his yes. trick. And as he got older, he kind of had to limit it to the cigarette. So we were kind <laughs> of at the tail end of that. That's one of many, but let's talk about uh, Roderick James and how did you meet him? So the initial kind of approach to Dalton was let's find somebody who does some job in the industry. So a designer, a wholesaler, a stress tester. And we found Roderick. He had like five different websites that were all in different languages and just sort of wildly designed. And so I messaged him over Facebook. I found him on Facebook and sent him a message. And he responded saying something like, I've been waiting for this call all my life. <laughs> um, and so he suggested we meet him in the lobby of the Chattanooga Choo Choo Hotel in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Noah and I were just like, all right, let's do this. So we went into the hotel and it was just obvious who this man was. He was sitting in a big chair. He had a huge black cowboy hat on, you know, rings covering his fingers, ripped, beautiful jeans, big old boots, and this like glorious mustache. And we're just awestruck just like who is this man he immediately sent his friend john to go get us coffees and snacks and it was like a business meeting it was so serious and i realized oh this is how he does business in china etc and he sat us down and just started telling us his life story in the most grandiose grand way and he's so funny and he's so charming and it was just he cut he cut a real figure when we first met him from where I was seated in the in the Chattanooga Choo Choo, I could only see him in silhouette for the first 35 minutes of our meeting. <laughs> did, did he have the American flag shawl on it for that initial meeting or because that that's a that's a nice there touch. Are, yeah, there are flags Very... bursting from so many different parts of his outfits. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like patches of American flags and then denim on denim on denim that day. Yeah. 
I'm sure as filmmakers, you must have thought, well, (laughs) (laughs) we got a character here, right? I mean, and you know what? He is that he is that over the top personality, but it's hard not to like him. He Mm. he just like him. No, I mean, what, what, why do you, why do you like him? You know, despite the sort of, sort of over the top pomposity. Yeah. I think like Rod similarly has like a real playfulness in life. And I think he's like willing to be out there in places that are like somewhat conservative. I think Dalton, Georgia is not necessarily a place that as a whole is like so supportive of those eccentricities. And he is totally willing to like be out there in the world as like sort of an odd person. And I just like had a lot of respect for that from the start. What he was doing there was so separate from the culture at large. And like, it it was like uh, something he was completely unconcerned with, you know, like he was like, I am a cowboy here. This is just what's gonna happen. And it doesn't matter that people are kind of gawking at me on the street from the jump had a lot of respect for that attitude and like way of moving through life. Yeah. Emily, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing the film gets it, but I wish we had more of it. He is so playful and his sense of comedic timing is just amazing. But also Roderick is like really willing to let us into vulnerable spaces with him, which is not easy. It's a it's a big deal. And he trusted us enough to kind of let us in and let us see that side of him, which I really respect because I think that takes courage. And I'm grateful. Like it it makes me care about him even more to yeah. know that there are stakes for him. He's he's trying, he's trying his best to figure out how to lead a life that he likes, that he's enjoying, that's satisfying. Watching him, as just as you're describing, he talks about these connections. I love the way we're introduced to him. He's walking around this farm area, taking pictures, sort of holding court over, you know, the way that he designs carpet. But then there is, as the film progresses, it feels like there's a kind of Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman element to his persona. There is a that and you see, and this is the vulnerability you're talking about. It kind of lets he lets you in, and you see some things that are kind of unraveling for him. But he's willing to just put his shoulder to the wheel and keep going. That that's the again, he's not going to be defeated by it. And I again, I'll let people watch this in, in terms of the film because I don't want to give more away than I need to. Speaking of which, we are talking about the documentary film Carpet Cowboys, and we're speaking with the co-directors. Emily McKenzie and Noah Collier. It's being released through the distributor Memory. Check it out. Find it. You should watch it. It is a lot of fun. Now, when will people be able to to see Carpet Cowboy? So we have our world premiere in Baltimore next weekend, but then the broader, more immediate uh, availability to see it starts at the end of August on the 25th through Metrograph's online streaming service. Oh, cool. So if you go through Metrograph's site, it's the 25th through, I believe, September 7th. There's about a two-week period where you can stream it. And then we're currently booking screenings in small indie theaters all over the country. So there'll be opportunities coming up, but most immediately streaming via Metrograph. And you're currently, the distributor is Memory. And there, yes. we give out this, the website is memory.is backslash carpet dash cowboys. You can yes. see it through that. And do you have a website for your uh, for your work or that I can send people to? Noacollier.online. Okay. Okay, cool. Mine's Memily M. Margaret Emily, memilymac.com. I think this is a film that when people 
or hear about it from others. Your ambassadors will be the people who see this movie. They'll be the ones they, who will tell people about it. Cause, I think so too. Because at the end of the day, it's a deeply humanizing film. And in the sense of you get to know people, you get to, as their flaws and all, and they're comfortable with it. So why shouldn't you be, right? That's kind of how I felt when I was watching it. Like, this is who they are, vulnerabilities and all. And uh, yeah, that relationship between Roderick and John is an interesting one uh, to just to sort of try to fess out exactly, exactly what is this? And that for me, I'm just speaking. I was like, yeah. There's, these are good friends. They seem to really care about each other. And it's a lot. It's a lot to to take in. And I, the reaction, has has Roderick or any, anybody from Dalton who are in the film, have they had an opportunity to see it? Yeah, we did some screenings. We still have John. I'm texting at this very moment to go watch it. But most importantly, we watched it with Roderick via this sort of elaborate Zoom setup because he's in the Philippines. But we watched it with him, or rather, we watched him watch it, and his response was great. He laughed, he cried. At the end, he told us that he felt seen and that his story was, you know, authentic and true to kind of what he's gone through. I think he felt really proud to see himself yeah. in that way, which is, you know, enormously satisfying for us. That's great. Yeah. At the end of it, he tilted his hat down and blocked his face with the camera, and he just said, you represented the highs, the lows. But in between, you told the story. <laughs> it was incredibly dramatic. <laughs> There, there, there is a bit of Elvis Presley in him. I mean, there's oh, that, yeah. there is a little tiny, you know, kind of that, 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 that I, that sense of, he knows that he's got something. He feels mm-hmm. in his soul that he is something that uh, should be appreciated. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I love documentaries like this. I love stories like this because it's, it just comes out of, comes out of the the cinema gods and they and they smile down upon you and when you get a chance to watch a film that you connect to and you yeah it's wonderful congratulations thank you so much thank you. thank you again the film is called carpet cowboys we've been talking with the co-directors emily mckenzie and noah collier and i look forward to more work hope you come back and join us again sometime yeah that would be great thank, thank you. you so much thank, thank you so much mike You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.